Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care. And with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hi, folks. Another week, another relentless news cycle. The forthcoming Mueller report the arrest of WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, the president's proposal to send undocumented immigrants to sanctuary cities. There's so much to make sense of these days. On the Cafe Insider podcast, Ann Milgram and I break down the news and take stock of what's happening each week. The podcast is part of the Cafe Insider membership. Today, we're making a clip from our most recent episode available in the Stay Tuned feed. To listen to our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, become a member at cafe.com insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. So there's, the, there's this debate, people on different sides um, saying, well, you know, a prosecution of Julian Assange is terrible because he's a journalist. Other people say, well, depends on what the nature of the charges are, and he's not really a journalist. The, the charges, as I read them, are pretty narrow, and I think a lot of experts are, are cautiously sort of approving of the charges because including first amendment experts it's worth noting yeah exactly because the the charges so far and they could be added to don't relate to mere receipt of classified information or publishing of classified information but something more specific that's right and the the actual charge is one count of conspiracy to commit a computer a computer crime and a computer intrusion and this was at the time that chelsea manning was an intelligence analyst and was accessing using um, her top secret clearance to basically access um, materials that that Manning wasn't entitled to access or to release and was providing those materials to WikiLeaks. And so what's really interesting about about this is that there was a lot of speculation when when the sort of rumors of the existing U.S. indictment came out. There were a number of rumors that it would be an espionage charge right. and essentially meaning that WikiLeaks, that Julian Assange as the leader of WikiLeaks would be prosecuted for running an organization that published confidential top secret U.S. material. And that gets into the whole Pentagon Papers, the ability of of journalists to take, and, and there's a lot of precedent in the U.S. upheld by the Supreme Court of journalists publishing classified information. What's the questions raised about Assange at the time were, well, is he really a journalist? And, you know, is he, he's been defined by, um, by, you know, senior government officials as as being part of, you know, an advocate for the Russian government, for example, and not 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 being a journalist. But what's really interesting about this is they don't charge that they charge the computer hacking the conspiracy because he's there's evidence that he 
from this time period in March of 2010, he is trying to help Chelsea Manning um, essentially with a password. To, to, to crack a classified password. Exactly. And also to try to sort of get in to get more additional material. It seems to me, uh, and I think people are discerning this distinction, there's a difference between being someone who waits on a corner and a whistleblower comes and gives you a hard drive that has classified information from the CIA or, or somewhere else, which is not to say that that's a wonderful thing uh, and there are lots of issues there, but you know that's not criminal conduct. There's a big difference between that and being the someone who's not just on the street corner but goes with the, the whistleblower, presumed or assumed uh, or self-described whistleblower, may not be a whistleblower, and tries to break down the door into the skiff or into the safe or wherever where the hard drive is located, then the journalist is doing something beyond journalism. And as you mentioned a minute ago, some you know significant voices of expertise in the First Amendment community, including Floyd Abrams, who was a guest on the show, uh, you know, expressed some, in his words, relief. He said, first, a sigh of relief that the indictment seems narrow in scope and was not rooted in an Espionage Act claim simply based on receiving and publishing classified data. He says, second, it is based on Assange's alleged activities in personally participating in accessing the classified information and cracking a classified password. But then he also says, this note of caution, notwithstanding the unique features of the case, much of it is based on not uncommon journalistic conduct, receiving and publishing classified information. I think the Floyd Abrams um, quote is really important. And the conversation is a really interesting one. And what there's a line that folks are trying to sort of figure out between what is journalistic organizations legitimately publishing information that is in the public interest, where there's been a breach of confidential information, of classified information um, from the U.S. government by someone else. And there's no connection between the publication and the breach. Or the the, the connection is that the person who's breached is giving the information to the um, journalistic organization. This is different. I mean, this is, in my view, Assange is making an effort to help get that information, right? And it really does cross a line beyond where I think journalists can and should go. I mean, it's one thing to be sitting at the New York Times and have the Pentagon Papers related to the war dropped on your desk. It's another thing to basically go out and try to help someone mess with a confidential top secret password to break in and get access to that information. And that's the dividing line here. And I do think the government was really pretty cautious in how they charge this. There is no espionage charge at this time. Um, it's only the computer hacking and so I do think that, we'll, we'll, that there are plenty of people, by the way, we read Floyd Abrams, but there are plenty of folks who have raised alarm, to be fair, and sort of, you know, there's um, the United Kingdom National Union of Journalists said that there's a link between the importance of leaked confidential documents and journalism reporting and um, the matter in which Assange is treated will be of great significance to the practice of journalism. Peter Stern, who used to run the U.S. Press Freedom Tracker said the the charge is clearly a pretext, basically saying the government is sort of using this as a way to get to Assange when they really are trying to get him for espionage. So there will be criticism. But in, in my view, what Assange did is different than what the New York Times did in the Pentagon Papers. And it's a really important distinction. Now, we've been discussing the legal distinctions. And I think those are important for purposes of the charges being brought. There are other issues relating to Assange that people talk about. And I think they sometimes crowd them into the legal issue when they're more political and sort of optics issues. One of those is that Julian Assange uh, is not loved by a lot of people because he claims he's a whistleblower and someone who wants the truth to come out and bad conduct on the part of governments to come out. But so far, he's only done that with respect to the U.S. Right, it's true. And he, is he a tool of Russia? Does he come out and say you know things that are bad about the oppressive regimes 
of Russia and China? No, I don't think that affects the legal argument, but it does affect sort of the, the, the political situation. And then on top of that, some people point out when they say they don't like Julian Assange, and I concur with these people, that he doesn't seem to have any care at all about the consequences of what he reveals. And so there have been circumstances when he was asked about people whose names would be revealed, who were informers in, for example, Afghanistan. And you would think that a normal human being, journalist or otherwise, would actually express some concern about the lives of those people who were in danger because of the publication of things. He basically said he didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's been an absolutist on on these questions. And he did release, I mean, right, the State Department cables. Um, there were a number of, of people, I think, internationally who were put in jeopardy based on those leaks. And it, this is a really complicated space. And he is he is um, also obviously front and center on the 2016 election hacking publication of Clinton's emails and the John Podesta's emails. And so I, I agree with you. I think the political discussion will remain an important part of it. Um, what what do you think about the president saying that he knows <laughs> nothing about WikiLeaks? Yeah, so the president... Can I give yeah, you yeah. a quote? I know nothing about WikiLeaks. It's not my thing. It's not my thing. Although then, I'm sure you've also seen the montages, because what we always need is a montage, <laughs> as, as is said in a very excellent movie as well, of him saying repeatedly, I love WikiLeaks, I love WikiLeaks. He loved the leaks. He loved the disclosure. It's a of treasure the trove. Yep. Emails, the treasure trove. So it's just another example of, of Donald Trump, uh, you know, going back on something. Because at the particular moment that the issue arises, he doesn't look very good if he embraces what he said before. But we know what he thinks and we know what he believes. So, so what happens next? So I, I haven't uh, looked at the specific issues relating to Julian Assange's extradition, potential extradition to the U.S. I know it can take a very long time. We had cases that sometimes took years and years. Every case is different, but we, know we had some experience in trying to extradite folks who were charged in the U.S. from the U.K., even though it's an ally and they have a lot of ability to put a wrench in the works there. There's a famous terrorism defendant that was charged by the Southern District many years ago. It took over a decade to have him extradited to the United States. So I don't know that we'll be seeing anything immediately. I agree in, with in, that. In he, he has a hearing coming up, I think, with within a fairly short amount of time. But I had defendants who um, were charged in a sex trafficking case. They were in Mexico. It took years for them to come to the United States. I hope you've enjoyed this sample of the Cafe Insider podcast. To listen to the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and become a member. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.